curiosity. What are you so curious about? Everything, Mr. Curiosity. All right, folks, I am uh, Mr. Curiosity, and I have a special guest today <laughs> because it's so special, I have commandeered the bell. Listen to this. <laughs> this is what we usually do when, when the guest becomes uncomfortable, but today <sighs> I have it because I'm going to be uncomfortable. We have a maniac next to me. We have a person who... I, it's like I, I brought in a caged Siberian tiger, and I, I'm afraid to get too close. Yeah, Joe, you signed me out of lease for a little while, man. They let me out of my cage because you took responsibility and signed for me. Would you like me to give you a stress card in case you had too much, let you take a little walk around the helicopter landing pad? You see? You see it's happening already. What? You're out of control. Oh, All right, okay. first, <laughs> let me tell you who this guy is because I, I mean, I know him, but how deep do I know you? It's Freddie. Yeah. Is it Freddie? Fast Freddy? Is it Freddy? Give me all your names. Okay. Fast Freddy. I yeah. go by now. It's free one E double D to the I E. Don't spell my name Freddy Y because Freddy never asks why. Fred likes to die. And that's the way. Free one E double D to the I E. I am the Grand Marshal in the Parade of Ville. I am the original Dirty White Boy, the ODWB. I am the bad influence with the best intentions. I am on the runway. I like to jet out of here all the time. I am the lyrical dynamo. And I'm thrilled to be sitting here on a beautiful, whatever day morning this is, in this wonderful studio. And you got chocolate in the lobby, man. Freddy, Very you importante. You don't have to do that you don't have to be <laughs> live at Budokan, double live gonzo oh, we're double just live here gonzo. to, we're just on, here to have on, a conversation come on, come on. everybody's gonzo Can't we just have that a... was my first ted nugent album i ever got it was an eight track remember joe when i you quit get... i quit it's joe, over don't already. you remember when I you quit. could get 12 no, cds for a penny i quit all right i'm gonna let you do this mr curiosity <laughs> No, to go back, I do right. remember that. That when That's I was great. a kid, we're similar in age. I'm a little yes, older yes. than you. You got some miles on you. You get that dollar, you send it oh, in, you yeah. get all the free CD, yeah. well, cassettes. Yep. And great. then you think you're never gonna have to pay for these. You no, have to put your no. parents' name down, then they Definitely. get the bill. And then then you opt out as soon as you join, you get them twelve if, for well, free. Th what they used to do, Columbia used to screw you good because what happened was that you had to buy the CD of the or the eight track of the month yeah. CD, eight track of the month for like eleven dollars. And back in 1976, eleven dollars for an eight track for like Boss Skaggs' <laughs> greatest hits, which isn't that bad in retro looking back now because I love Boss Skaggs. But back give me the then, lowdown song. And I never knew how many chicks were really digging Boss Gags back in that day because I was just worried about anything that was spitting blood, kiss, Alice off topic. Cooper was on my Off topic. All Let's right. start off. Okay, We're rebooting. Ahead, All right. Here we go. So um, you're born, I'm going to guess, 1970. No, 1969. It was a product of the 60s. It was a turbulent time back there, but you had to be there to really. 1969. No, where does yeah. this little uh, fetus emerge? Where does oh, this baby? Oh, man, I was born right there at what is now like some kind of, um, like, uh, uh, I guess it's assistant living. Uh, it was the state hospital Are you on serious? Mulberry Street. Uh, I lived in the great west side of Scranton. You were a Scranton. See, I didn't yeah, even know west that part. Scranton, man. Scranton I grew guy. up there, still love it. It's a hollow ground to me, man. All right, so I now uh, do we want to talk about it, or is this going to be uncomfortable? Talk about whatever you want. Mom and dad, who are they? They have you. <laughs> Are two lunatics that are alive. God bless them that they are still alive, and I have my parents uh, functioning on their own. Um, they're out of their mind. I get it because I was like with my mom. You know, everybody. You know, look at me. Can you imagine me at twelve and thirteen, Joe? <laughs> 
All right, there was two others that were less grade, like my brothers are double A compared to I'm like Hall of Famer starting pitcher. You know what I mean? I'm Roger Clemens. They had a good little run with it. I just wanted to know when you were born. 69. Yeah, 69 okay. in Great West Side of Scranton. Well, in Scranton, but I, I lived and grew up in the Great West Side of Scranton. All right, so what are your, your mom and dad? Does your dad have yeah, this gravelly shot. voice that you have? No. Where'd you get no. the gravelly voice? Um, Marlboro. Marble lights, stress, no sleep. I mean, that's where it comes up. And then, like I said, um, when I get amped up, it's like, you know, it's like a powered amp. You know what I mean? Boom. I know the amped up feeling. You know, what are these people doing in 69? Uh My parents? Yeah. Are they are they married? They Was were, it? Uh, yeah, they were married. All oh, okay. Right. Yeah. And you're the one of how many? I'm one of three. Three. I have two younger brothers. Get out. So yeah, yeah. So here you are. You're born in 69. Right. Yeah. It's 70, 71, 72. Oh, yeah. You're going to elementary school. Oh, it's awesome. What's your dad? He's a welder. He's a dental no, hygienist. Dad your dad is a physician. a produce company, man, and it was oh. a lot of fun because every so often, like a lot of the cats that he worked with, yeah. like back then, man, like when you lived in a blue-collar <laughs> like neighborhood, all the cats, all the kids and their fathers, they were milkmen. There was mailmen. There was people driving truck and diesel mechanics. And the greasier and dirtier your dad came home was kind of like this pride type thing. So it was a great working class neighborhood I grew up in. And the fun thing about it was, and I was so lucky, and you know this probably from in the younger days, completely different from how the kids and the teenagers are today. We wanted to be outside. Until those streetlights came on, Joe, I did not want to be anywhere near my house. And you know what my mom did? She stood out in the back and she screamed through the neighborhood, Freddie! Free one E double D did IE. Come on, and you came home, and the kids stood out in front. And they said hello for Freddie, hello for Eddie, hello for Mark. Now they don't do that anymore. They come over to your house, you sit on the couch next Freddy, to each other, and you text each other. I don't want this to be a theme of mine every week, but you are correct, as I always right. talk about the old days and how. But, but do all old guys talk like this? Though? Well, they I don't have be to that because guy. well, you're not that guy. Because the thing is, this is real. You're not comparing everything being crotchetated like, well, my music was better, and well, toast back in my day tasted better because. We held it over an open but fire what? with a hanger. Here's the thing. We see the decline that is happening socially today, and that has caused, unfortunately, I hate to say because I don't want to knock technology because look what yeah. we get to do here, Joe. Yeah. Look what you get to do. and look. How, I get to hang out with a lunatic. Yeah, you do, and everybody learns a little bit from that. Yes. Okay, Go look back through history. So you're in elementary school. Your dad's delivering uh, broccoli. Produce, and it was great. All that broccoli, What's all that good stuff. What's your favorite produce? Are you, uh, like I'm a, a tomato head, man. I love tomatoes. I love tomato uh, mayo sandwiches. One of my favorite foods. So you can just have a tomato yeah, on I, a sandwich? Yeah, I love mayonnaise, Joe. I could mayonnaise. swim in mayonnaise. I, I could swim in mayonnaise. I'll put mayonnaise on almost, almost anything. Are you serious? I love it. Yeah, man. My wife used to love tuna fish until we got married because, like, I, I love tuna fish, too. It's like I can make a tuna fish hoagie and just, like, I pound it down. But I love to slam it on. My best friend says I have s'mores. I just wanted to I'm know like, what's what your up? father delivered. And yeah, he delivered produce, this, man. Okay, I'm sorry. Getting me all, this. all right, so your mom, she's a, she's a what? She's a, can you imagine if I was on the stand and I'm they were, like, <laughs> trying to question me, like, in a court case or something? Your mom's an RN, I bet. No. No, what is she doing? She's my, mom a, was a, my mom was able to stay at home with three boys because my father was able to make enough money to pay the mortgage and cover our bills so, back then in the 70s. This is cool. You and I in the 70s were yeah. kids. We had working yeah. dads. My dad uh, worked at uh, uh, like a fabrication yeah. plant yeah. and my mom was home right, right. and every Sunday yeah. I'd go to church. Yeah. I was an altar boy. I was an boy. altar boy. Yeah. And you'd hang out with your buddies every day. Yeah. 10, 20 kids all around the block. You oh, play stickball. Yeah. You cause trouble. Yeah. You light things on fire in the yeah, woods. You light smoke lots cigarettes. of things on fire. <laughs> 
Yeah. Then all of a sudden, you're into girls, you go to college, yeah, you get married, chicks. and here you are. Second base. Yes. Pack in Newport, second base, and kiss alive, too. Too. So, you get into high school. Yeah, do we loved have, high do school. We, do we, do we wanna, I had an awesome time wait, in high school. Do we want to bypass the uh, elementary years? Anything happen? Oh, You're, it was cool. I went to school. I had a lot of fun. Were you a troublemaker? A smart I don't kid? think I so. See no, you as a no, smarty. no. Well, I was. Um, I was. Uh, I couldn't really get focused, but I had a couple good teachers that got me into drama, yeah. and that encouraged my love for music and stuff like that. So I wasn't really into trouble. I wound up in trouble because, like I said, drama. I would lose focus. Yeah, I was. You were um, like in I was a, in fourth grade. I was a scarecrow in Willard School Elementary's. Um, production of The Wizard of Oz. You've probably heard of do, it or saw clips like on do, the Facebook. Do an audible uh, scarecrow. Here we go. If I only had a brain. So you had to sing that? I remember, man. Did you have the little outfit on? Um, yeah, I did. I had all straw was itchy. And yeah. then it was like kind of like, um, you know, you had a flannel Is there shirt non-itchy on itchy straw? Stuff. I don't think I've, so. Yet, somebody should invent some. Yeah. I'm sure there's then some. Then it'd be fur, though. Yeah, but I'm not down with fur unless it's synthetic anymore, man. I, I can't. I got you. Now you're in 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th, 11th grade. You're mm-hmm. thinking, the oh, old man's coming home after he yeah. delivers all that lettuce, and he's like, oh, I made son, a deal. we have oh, to man. get you a career. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I, he got me a job because back then there was this crazy thing like – Kids liked money, and they even liked when they had their own because then they could go boom, boom to you. You can't tell me how to buy jeans or buy my ACDC shirt or if you want to buy tickets for a concert. I see you what you're saying. You're saying, how dare kids now? Oh, Dad, can I have $50? 30's the new 18, dude. 30's the new 18. We had to work for money. They just get it here. 15 and a, a half, I worked at the Burger King on and West Side on Luzerne Street. My father, because he delivered produce there, knew the manager, brought home the application, made sure I filled it out. I got my... I had my um, interview, um, and I worked there two and a half, three years through like sophomore through senior year. Dude, listen to this. So far, parallel lives. I worked at Burger King and Einan. And they were all owned by the same Davis group, man. Yes. Yeah. How about when they would show up every month? They'd, uh, they'd come in, like, it looked oh, like the mafia. They're coming in, they're all yeah. in suits. Everyone yeah. acts different. Yeah. Here's this guy, and he just yeah. slowly walks through, yeah. looks at everybody, and judges them. Well, because they had a lot of shop, they owned a lot of stores, so they had like a vice president or regional yes. guy. And you know what, man, on that Saturday morning that they would come in and you get that one regional guy, the vice president, yes. that would jump in to show you how the proper way to bag the fries. Yes. Okay, thank you, man. <laughs> Harvard way of bagging the fries. That's great. But it was still cool because I was making this cabbage and it was my check and I did that nine to five. And that's back, like I said, Joe, working in that Burger King Introduced me to kids from other schools. Yes, like from and other Central, people. from Tech, right. from all diversity. This. And it was You're cool. I was it. outside of West Side, and then that's when concerts were real big at Rocky Glen. Yes. Or maybe if you had enough money, the big thing was we're gonna take a car and we're gonna drive to Binghamton to see a concert. That hour and a half trip to Binghamton from Scranton was like the biggest thing in the world. And Binghamton had it all. They had yeah. before us. They had the Whalers, the yeah. hockey. They Excellent. had the concerts at the oh arena. They had dicks. They had, yeah. they had Champion Outlet. You yeah, go up there, definitely. you buy 20 T-shirts you for $2 each. Their malls were, like, cooler, and I, there was a Converse outlet up that way from what I gathered back Everything was, was cooler younger. in Binghamton. It just seemed that way because you never broke outside of your local yes. area. So if I'm going to ride this long time listening to the FM radio <laughs> on in my father's LeBaron or some kid's LeBaron, you know, um, just don't scrape the Landau roof and don't spill the beer in the He did have seat. the Landau roof? Yeah, my first car. So 
some of them did not. They my had convertibles. first car was an Impala, yeah. like an eighty, a seventy nine Impala with a nice Landau roof. And my father didn't. His more his biggest concern with Freddie with this car, not so much the oil change or make sure you rotate your tires. Don't let the white la- the roof crack. Make sure that you put your armor oh, all on it and stuff. Because like, he yes, did not want to leave it out in the sun. There's nothing worse than crack. a cracked Landau roof. Yes. Really, man, you don't want to let that you know dehydrate there, Joe. So did your Landau uh, roof crack? That's Hell the, yeah, it did yeah. crack because I got distracted. You got, <laughs> got distracted, Joe. Distracted by what? Don't tell me. All right, okay. So, um, um, I, I, I'm, I'm getting a feel for this. Yeah, now. man. It's it's parallel yeah. lives. I can tell you were a little more unruly than me. Yeah, just a tad. I'm in my backyard yeah. erecting weather stations and oh. equipment. <laughs> Science nerd, but yet still kind of a cool. Yeah, this is real cool, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so now there's a bifurcation. Yeah, I was doing science life. too, Joe. <laughs> Lots of chemistry. I got into chemistry like in high school, kind of like similar to you. The old man comes home. He's yeah. he's he's got extra grapes. Yeah, he's got orange some, juice, apples. Yeah, he's man. got kiwi. He's got kumquats, yeah. and he says to you, yeah. he says to you, Freddie. Yeah, what are you gonna do for a living? No, he didn't say that. He said, "What did you do to your mother today?" What do you mean by that? Yeah, man, because it was just like she passed it on. It was like a battle at times because we were we were tough kids, man. You were. We were rough. Uh, we had a great neighborhood. I hung around with a lot of other rough kids. Yeah, um, yeah. and she, my mother from a distance loved them all. You know what I mean? But we were, like I said, we had a different attitude. We had more freedoms back then because yes. you didn't have to worry about the stuff that you have to worry about with your kids today, Gosh. like. No one, I never, when I was 15 or 16, I saw heroin in movies or read about it in a book. We didn't have to worry. My parents didn't have to worry about me overdosing with one try of something. If we went so to. So true, that was non existent. Like you that was correct. none. We didn't have any of that. People didn't carry guns. And if you looked at my girlfriend holding up guns or threatening to shoot you or wanting to fight over everything, if you got into a little fish with somebody, you might have had a busted lip or a black eye. A couple days later, you guys forgot about it, you healed, and yes. no one died. And if you came home with that black eye, you yeah. Got in a fight, your right. parents wouldn't say, "Where right. is this kid you were in a fight right. with?" They'd probably say something like, "Well, you deserved it," right. or, or "Or toughen up next time." Yeah, there was it's no forgotten. lawyers being called. No, um, when we went to school, we respected our teachers, even if we didn't like them. Even if they were wrong, right. they were still right. It didn't matter. All they had to do was call my parents. I didn't get my side of my story told. No, I didn't get my side of my story told. If I was caught doing something and they knew right off the bat, my parents were not stupid. I might have liked to try to play them as stupid, but they weren't. They were never. Stupid, but there was a there was a, a ground that fear and that respect that we had. We didn't have to worry about the problems today. And Joe, I know that might bother you because you don't like going back saying, "Oh, I'm that old guy." But when no, you it reflect, doesn't bother me. When people get up on a podium, I just want to avoid anything, that trap. But I think we're I do not that. in that trap. Okay, we're we, not in the it's trap. It's not a trap. It's it's a reality that has to be pointed out. And if a kid or somebody young doesn't want to hear this, they have to know this because you're actually kind of sparing them. Listen, listen up. Half here it goes. the here it stuff comes. that gave me pain, that disappointed me that hurt me that set me back back then made me the what you're seeing right here why yeah you need to have a three-hour talk with my wife she's trying to bubble wrap my kids since they were little i said you got to have them feel pain disappointment if hurt because broken heart a broken heart now granted what do they say the strongest tree grows in a brisk unruly wind because it learns to deal with adversity and it stiffens up I agree with that. And it that. gets tough. If you pamper all yeah. these kids, what are they going to do? And that's what scares me. I know. That scares me because I'm not going to be this 
super machine that you witness in front of you. Wait right a minute. Now. You know, I'm, I'm witnessing a super machine. Yeah, pretty much. And we're not always going to be like that. And there's going to be the next generation has to take over. And, you know, it isn't. And I used to think the same way, Joe. Do I sound like the guy that, like, back in my day, you didn't have distortion pedals to play guitar through to hide behind? <laughs> and you know what? That's cool. Jimi Hendrix, all that good stuff. But the thing is, when people, and here's when I, I stopped being afraid of looking back and comparing. Okay. Somebody got up at a podium. I don't want to get into politics, so I'm not going to go saying who. Somebody. It was just somebody. And they just jumped up and said, Are you better off now than you were? 30 years ago? Okay. No, not at all. Because my mom was at home. I still had a house. I had great Christmases you and we went love. on vacation. You felt love. It well, was always someone I there. I felt secure. I felt secure. I felt that I felt appreciation. Even when I wasn't being appreciative, I was taught how to appreciate. And that's what, no, I'm not better off when my, the wife has to work, the husband has to work, the kids are on, you know, cut back. You go to school. It's not unbelievable. Like you have to leash your own instrument if you want to play in a band. Schools are cutting out electives, no gym classes, no nothing like that. I never, ever, 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 ever thought that in my lifetime I'd listen to a big populated message Metro area talking about having to drop the football team unless the kids that play buy their own football uniforms. It's ridiculous. Great speech, but we're getting off topic. All right, sorry. No, you are correct, though. I think a summary of uh, our time, you know right. how they have free-range chickens now and they try to sell them as yeah, good meat? Yeah, We were the product of free-range parenting. Yeah, yeah. It was like... Cage-free eggs, cage Joe. Cage-free. <laughs> Mayonnaise made with cage-free eggs. The parents loved us, but yeah. hey, go. Have yeah. fun. Do what you want. Oh, then you come awesome. home at the end of the day and you're like, All what'd night you do? Skates, Nothing. Joe. Yeah. yeah All yeah, night yeah, skate. Yeah. All night skate. But what... what what took you from this senior troublemaker yeah. now into yeah. an adult, 18, 19, 20? Yeah. What are you doing? Where are you going? All right. I'm doing a lot of cool things. I don't, can't talk. You're going to be ringing your bell. I'm, I'm, so, <laughs> no, I'm experimenting I'm just, socially. Good. There's a lot of different things. No, where did you go after high school? Okay, right after high school, I started working at a place called Keystone Foods, I believe. But stop right there. Foods. So there was no... SAT, no college, no, no SAT. College. No, oh, I had no I interest know. in it. I wanted nothing to do with it. When and I got, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm my just father saying. made a deal with me, Joe. He said, listen, because I went on a vacation for um, my junior year, fourth fourth quarter of my junior year. Oh, I went on a 42-day vacation. And while I was being visited um, on oh. vacation, Marworth Adolescent um, Facility up on Shawnee on the Delaware was some of the best breakfast sandwiches I ever had in my life. Well, this isn't to be joked about, though. So you had a problem. I didn't know that. Well, somebody had a problem with me, and, and it was like, yeah, yeah. I started off with um, experimenting with a lot of different things and substance-wise. And uh, unfortunately, at that time, when I found my trouble and I wound up going on this visit, it kind of made you notorious when you came back. So we uh, ran with that being that I'm an immature. Cred boy, you know what I mean? And we immature later How than young you? ladies. I'm like 16 and a half going on 17. Oh, so you're there then. Yeah, 42 days I did. And I was like the fifth kid to be signed into this place because it was a new facility. Now listen, check this out. So if I got your 10th, 11th yeah. grade teacher and I said, what was Freddie like? Would they say, I hate this guy, he was troublemaker? No, was... no, no. They would probably would they say, say he could have probably had better potential for his grades. Nice guy, uh, but... He the, focused the, the... too much more. His personality, um, he... Outshine his personality outshined his intellect, and he didn't really focus on things. But here's the deal: comedian troublemaker. Um, yeah, because yeah. I would go too far sometimes, and that's what you learn um, when we're all raw guys like us. You know what I mean? We're raw in the beginning, don't and throw even though me we into your, I'm throwing you into it because you're me. parallel in everything else. So you don't want to parallel this now, <laughs> don't right? Throw me. Oh, are we unparalleled now, Joe? I'm sorry. Let me unparallel. Okay, so I'm going off having a good I'm time. A good boy, my whole. I'm being life. a crazy round the clock. <laughs> 
talk madman in high school. You're sitting there jumping around your room listening to the Hooters. Um, that's the band, by the way. Yeah. Okay. So that's what you're doing. I'm partying in cemeteries and stuff. You're listening to the Hooters in your room. Hoping to get an extra 50 cents to buy a psychedelic poster at the Spencer Gifts. Just putting away my altar boy outfit, hanging yeah. it up, right? Yeah, I got a good altar boy story. I'll tell you off when we're done with this. It's excellent. Why can't you say no? Is it too? Well, can we give it a shot and see if he's going to go? One of my, uh, did you ever like do mescaline when you serve midnight mass or anything uh, no, like that? No. I never by even accident? sipped the wine or anything. Not no, even by I was accident? a good kid. Well, you might have, somebody might have gave you something no, that made you see like color. Quit. All right, so you're, you're in treatment. You're 16, yeah, so 17. 16, How do you get 17. out of that? Did that change well, your you life? Did, did that improve you? Well, here's the deal. My father, um, when he said, I thought when he was coming to visit. Produce delivery. Yeah, produce delivery. He wasn't delivering produce. It was, you got to do two weeks, and then your family can come up and visit you and stuff. Now, back at this time, they made you cut your hair. You couldn't wear clothes with any writing on it or anything. There was no radio. You weren't jamming out to anything. You didn't have TV to sit in a lounge. I mean, like, they were really strict at this time with the youth yeah. um, in recovery. And um, my father came up, and they had, I'll never forget this, Joe, they had this monstrous brick fireplace out in the field. And my father I talk to you, and I'm like, oh man, he pulls you over to. He's going to tell me about when I get home for the summer. I'm a junior going into senior year. He's going. I'm going to have to be home at nine o'clock. This is going to suck. No car. He sat me down and he said, "Listen, I'm not going to tolerate any of this drug stuff when you go home. You come home, make sure your grades are passing." You do everything that your mother wants to do. That means go to the dances, get a class ring, take your class pictures. Oh, wait, I'm Most of all, most of all, you better graduate on stage. You That's will not go to summer school. You won't do anything. He goes, if you keep up with that deal, you have the keys of the kingdom. You can have your car back. You can do anything. No drugs, no trouble. Make sure that you do everything like the standard well, high school well, senior. Wait, let's pause is what he right wanted because he didn't have it. He quit school in that Pause right now. Up to that point, yeah. Were you getting lectures like that from dad or no? No, and that's what the whole thing was. So was he like a like a withdrawn, quiet dad, or what do you no, mean? No, he was like he was just too busy. We made working. a deal, yeah. But we made a deal, and this worked out for him. And in a lot of cases, this doesn't work. We became friends from that moment. But in a friends, level. so it was like, listen. Don't drive your mother nuts because when you drive your mother nuts, she tortures me. If your mom gets on it, and now he started working third shift, which was awesome. By the way, that's an approach every dad should take. So he did this, I've and he goes, listen, one. don't drive her nuts. If she goes off, I don't care if you think you're right or you think you're wrong. Leave the house, come down here and sit with me at work, but you do not fight with your mother because she's going to make me pay for it. So I'd be getting in trouble with my mom. And then I'd just, like, bolt the house and go to my father's work, and he'd be like, take the car if you want to. Here's $20. Just don't do anything stupid or sit here or sit here. And then I'd sit there and listen to his friends that he worked with teach me about the beauties of life, man. Do you so know what this, I mean? If so, you know what I'm trying to say because I don't want the bell rung. All right. So now. Yeah. There's this change. You have, a, you have this uh -huh. connection with your dad. Yeah, the it was big awesome. brick fireplace yeah. outside. Yeah. Did it really change things, though? Did you try yeah. to stay on the yeah, straight and narrow? Um, a little okay. bit. More, more so. Listen, I tried to or at least thought of it while I wasn't staying on the straight and narrow, so at least like I had presence of conscience. If I didn't have the conscience thing like bothering me a little bit, then I'd be like a sociopath and... You know, that's not cool. Oh. So, like, I thought about it, but it did. I, my, listen, when I, I, I used to gravitate, Joe, toward bad people. 
because we all have that. You know, everybody thinks it's real cool when you're watching The Godfather. Oh, look at Michael Corleone. Look at this, that, and the other. But then when you hear about your nephew got caught selling drugs, it's the biggest catastrophe in the world. So you think it's cool when you're watching it in the movie and you got this kind of connection to the murdering people and selling drugs and committing robberies. When you hear about somebody close to you, hey, why isn't it cool that they banded up with a few of their friends and they started trying to make money selling narcotics or robbing people? Get, you see what I'm talking about, Joe? I totally Joe? get it, man. Yeah. It's romanticized see, that's on that TV. Thing. It's but got a in bad reality, It's a really, let's say it's a hefty rock in your shoe on an upward hill hike. You know what I mean? It's not groovy. So so you, you started seeing the light, so to well, speak. Started you started seeing, going a little bit more towards the, 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 the positive side of life a little yeah, bit. Yeah, well, here's know. the deal. And on the cusp of being an adult coming up to because back then when you were 18 or 19 you were being coming an adult now around here in northeast pa there was a lot more there was many places listen many places that you could work if you were not going to college we had um consolidated freight you had roadway you had gould battery you had train you had places that you can go in specialty records places that you can go and start at a decent wage yes. yeah, and yeah, yeah. and if you didn't go to college, you were making two, three dollars more if you knew somebody or if you got grandfathered in or if you were just lucky enough and you were persistent enough to fill out applications. Go Sandvik was a big one. I'm getting in at Sandvik. I'm getting in at specialty. Gentex in yeah. my area. Everybody yeah, knows them. Exactly. When you get in, so you, did you choose so that? So when path? I had a 21-year-old friend that was buying like a, a decent blazer and he had money to go out Wednesday, oh, Thursday, and Saturday night, that was all gone. That's all gone now because we don't have the places where you can go out of high school and make a decent wage and get a set. 75 cent raise every 18 months and in 10 years you're making good money with decent benefits and you have a car and stuff back to you so what did you right. choose well i didn't i wanted this up here uh, you can't see this but i didn't one know how to get up, there one hand i low. wanted to be in the music industry the oh. business i want to play in bands now i was always 18 a lot, 19 20 yeah and um we used to jam at cc's a lot right there uh, in music with a lot of other great bands and this is like late 80s now early 90s Joe but but are you so when you were this 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 deviant youth yeah, were you playing yeah, a guitar drum bass, bass and guitar and I was always a better partier than I was a player and I always wanted but you're to pretty good not bad I would say I'm not bad. And, and, and back then you're listening to who? Is it like uh, is it like hair metal or is it like blue? A little bit cult? of everything. What my favorite it? band at that time I was coming up to Kiss in my late teens and stuff um i was always loved black sabbath okay. always loved black sabbath um i was really getting into the grateful dead and stuff and then my friends and i my best friend and i started hanging out at keystone college and we met a lot of those granny dress wearing chicks from like new jersey and stuff and they looked really really smart and that's when like the Ten Thousand maniacs and the cure and all that stuff and rem right. yeah. so we really wanted to gel with these chicks so i had to like force feed myself to learn about like Friggin' Robin Hitchcock and the Egyptians and stuff and the cure. Just to get the angle on the girls. Yeah, and but what it are you doing? Some but cases, what are you doing every day of your life then is what I'm jamming saying. and looking for a way to party. So you're not working. You're oh 19... yeah, I was working. I worked my ass off. Where? Um, I was working at Allied Foods, it was called. So you are doing factory work. Yeah. How old are you? Oh, uh, that was like dead carcasses. Uh, dead cow carcasses. Yeah, my father put me in there. Eight, 18 to 21. That okay, is... so you're in a band trying, <laughs> yeah, you're playing, yeah. you're, 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 you're you name of the band was called Cold Steel Rain. But 
you but you but you you Yeah, I came up with the name. It's a good name. Yeah, it's but I'm just name. trying to picture you now. Oh, so it's you're Rain R E I G N. What shift are you working? Oh man, I start at like six in the morning till three o'clock. I'm working in freezers in and the every, middle of July that are ten below. So when you come outside and it's eighty nine degrees, you got like five jackets on. But do you remember being at this point in your life like oh yeah. look at me? What am I to do? You hate it. A, a freight train of carcasses comes in every day. How does that work? Oh, well, they would be like skinned cows from a slaughterhouse, and then we would have to cut them. It was a you, butcher so joint. So a cow is hanging from a ceiling. You're yeah, looking it was horrible. at this thing. Yeah. And what do you have to do? Well, it's already skinned and cut in half and stuff. Um, we'd either have to carry them and reload them on another truck, uh, thaw them out. To me, this is nightmare material. It was nightmare material. My father was brilliant in putting me in this in this atmosphere because it got me motivated to want to look for something else. He wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to settle. Did the cows um, have eyes still in their head? No, no. But there was some crazy stuff like that floating around. People, you, you got some like... Are they headless? Borderline. Well, some people be like wearing body parts of the cow. They put parts of the cow on them for a joke. Crazy nuts. But these cows come in headless for the most part? Yeah, pretty much. And then you just have to take the meat off. Yeah, and then I would drive a van once a month to Hunts Point, New York, um, in the Bronx. um, A van of meat? Oh, yeah. And I'd meet. Uh, some gentleman at the Hunts Point Meat Market. And this is before MapQuest, and this is before GPS. Yeah. What an education I got there, dude. You're Rolling a meat off deliverer. West Ch- Chester Avenue, yeah. And uh, every time coming over that GWB early in the morning, I always remember in this big white van that I would drive for Allied Foods, the song from Kokomo from Beach Boys would always be on the damn radio. That was late 80s, Crossing, early 80s. Yeah, 88, 89, Cruising 90. through the GWB. So every time I hear it now, I get into this like shake fit, like a sugar shock. That and there was this new edition song that just gives me a chill because I heard them every time that I would cross the GWB uh, working for this job. And then right after that, Joe, when did you quit cutting up animals? Uh, Freddie, when did you quit cutting up animals? 90, 91. And 90. you're in a band now? How are you making yeah, money? Yeah, on and off. Um, I started working at Mariotti Building Products, which I love, and I go back. I don't see you as a cabinet maker. Oh, no, I was a cabinet maker. I used to hump sheetrock, man. Oh, you're a sheetrock. Yeah, rocker. there was nothing like the camaraderie of the guys that I she- worked with no, there. No, sheetrocking Yeah, carrying it off the cool. boom truck. It was real cool, So you man. were the guy who would do what, though? I would go with the boom truck operator, and we would carry the, the sheetrock. The boom truck, that's up. the yeah. it lifts it up yeah, to the it ceiling? Yeah, it was great. And then uh, it swings it on like a crane, Joe, to yeah. the window, and then you would pull it off and then stack it in the houses. And there was a freedom in that, and it was great. Now, what I reflect to at that time is because now I was starting to learn how to get a loan on a car, or I had an apartment with my roommate. I was asked to leave Hotel Freddy um, <laughs> at the great 420 in West Side. And that was my address, 420 15th Avenue. That was my so- address growing up. Hello, yeah, ding dong ding. It was meant to be, man. Amen. Uh, so you're hanging sheetrock. You're making better money. It's not that. Yeah. There's no cult. And you got some overtime with it. But the cool thing was the There's older no- cats that I was working with, Joe, really taught me a lot. Taught me so, so you're kind of liking this, though. Loved it. Dude, they took me to Pub Charles first time. Awesome. First song I ever heard in a strip joint. Bam! Red, red wine. That's another song. But that doesn't 40. make me a child. Yeah. So, so they took me to Pub Charles, dude. So that's you're in your awesome. 20s. That's incredible. Do you have a girlfriend now? Yeah. You're going to exotic dance locations. Yeah. You're objectifying women. You're yes. making some pretty yes. good money. No, I'm supporting a woman's right to do what she wants to do with her body. Okay. That's what I'm doing. I've done it better than any. And then. Um, 20 years in a gentleman's club, baby. So so there's no girlfriend? There's no steady yeah, girlfriend? Yeah, there was a steady girlfriend, man. It was crazy. Does she but, know you know, you're going to these uh, places? Well, 
caused some fracas at the time, but that's happened because we didn't know how to handle stuff like that. You're all learning how to be an adult, and you're no learning internet. how to handle that. There's no internet. Thank God. Just beginning. You right? can't do anything. You know what it's like when you've got to run out of your house or run from where you're at because, oh, I'm going to call you FaceTime and pretend it's because your daughter wants to talk to you. No, <laughs> you're calling me FaceTime because you want to see where I'm at, and you've got to run out of where you're hanging out, get in your car and turn it on and act like you're driving in a parking lot somewhere talking to somebody. I know a guy that has to do that all the time, and he doesn't like it at all. It's not me. In the uh, in the uh, <laughs> in the exotic sucks. dancer places. I, yeah. Please tell Pup me you're Charles. not that guy. I bought my first answering but, machine. But wait, at please the Pup tell me from a dude. Please tell me you're not that guy that stands there and stares dreamy at the bar counter. And Absolutely just, not. You don't want to be that guy. Ever. Absolutely not. I became. And then he goes like this: "You're beautiful." No. Okay, well, the let's first night I did. First night I did because I chewed this girl smiling at me, partially dressed. I'm like, you didn't know she must love me. Oh my god! Oh my god! I can't believe it. I just walked in the store and this girl's staring right at me and she loves me. The, I'm gonna wait till she gets after work and I'm gonna take her out to eat. We're gonna hang out at Chick's Diner. It's gonna be great. Well, at the time Tony Harding's was still open, so I was like, she's gonna love me and then she's gonna take me home and we're gonna be dating and stuff like that. But I don't know. I'm gonna tell my mom and dad that she's oh, a dancer. Blah man. blah blah. There are some guys who still fall for that today after going yeah, there five hundred times. <laughs> There's a name for them. They're called idiots. When do you become like a serious band guy? Music industry. You're yeah. DJing. Yeah. You're rapping. You're hanging out with yeah. Breaking Ben. When does all that happen? All right. Um, I guess it's a Joyce thing, the writer, poet. I think, therefore, I am. Okay. So I just always knew in my head what I wanted to do. I just didn't know how to get there. So it wasn't there was no rock star school that you went to. And at the end of four years, if you graduate, you get a certificate. They hook you up with your record deal and give you your tour bus <laughs> and tell you where you're going to do your internship before yeah, yeah, you start yeah, yeah, selling yeah. a million records. There wasn't that. So I just wound up just wanting to do what I wanted to do. And eventually I got to a point where I just kept following one thing after another, the high highs and the low lows. And I wound up where I wanted to be. And I don't even know how the hell I got there. I got discovered in radio. I'm going to jump a little bit here. Jump. Okay. I was kicking a girl off a balcony because I was working at Tanks Entertainment Complex, mid-90s, um, late 90s, 96, 97, 98, with the great, great God rest his soul, Brian Gibbons, my best friend in the whole world, Jerry Haggerty, got me the job at Tanks. And what, I wound what, what are you doing there? Bouncer type Well, guy? I started as a stool. In other words, and let me explain that a stool sample when you would no no i knew you were gonna go there and i, I, I man i wish i decorated that a little bit better because i was hoping maybe he's not gonna catch that but i deserve that okay here's the deal when you would do an underage show an all-ages show if you had them in a club atmosphere first of all you got to clear all the alcohol out of you yes and off your bars and for every 25 people that are under 21, you have to have one adult. So Brian Gibbons would hire a bunch of us just to stand there, whether you like the band or not, to be over 21. Really? So if he had 400 tickets sold and, and, and your people don't count, like your bartenders yeah. don't count, the people cleaning the floors don't count, you had to have like a chaperone. So technically, the first show I ever worked for at Tinks was Deep Blue Something. Remember they had that big song? What about breakfast that evening? Yeah. Yeah, so I was hired to stand there like a pole, like a stool, to represent the 25 kids um, because I was over 21. And I was like, oh, you want me to do this? You want me to go talk to the band? Anyway, I mean, he's like, just stand there. 
just watch the show and don't leave till the end. I need you here. And I was like, oh, so I worked up there to in-house production, which was a big jump. So, so, so in-house production is what? That's a, you like deal a, with the writers, with the tour managers, make they, sure that the band has everything that they need, that the load-in's smooth. Do they go to different venues? They go all over. Well, they were on tour, the bands, but when they would stop at Tink's Entertainment Complex and before, like, when the city still owned all, like, the uh, parking meters and stuff, like, the night before, if you had, like, three or four tour buses. Now, you got to remember, Tink's Entertainment Complex was had a big in deal. sync, had limp biscuit three doors down when there was only 40 people there i right saw warren zeev on there exactly saw him twice when he was on the goose and when he was off the goose so and that's great to have the great warren zeev on a legendary songwriter and performer right there where you were able to see him but i still don't understand what you're you're you, what is this you do you're, in-house production yeah i would deal i'd be the liaison between no. the club and the um with the band so but they, the band, could they be in like pittsburgh the following week is it all over is it a well no thing? i work for tang so any band that was tour, we would book shows we would book concerts, and I would represent the club. Oh, Tinks. I see. And do you know what I mean? Say, do this. And that's, we're now set here's up what here, happened, right? And now here, what do you need, sir? Oh, you're the gotcha, tour manager. Gotcha, here, gotcha. here's your runner. He's going to take you to so the hotel. So now you're mixing it up with high, yeah, high people in the music yeah, industry. Yeah, bands that I loved and that I grew up listening to, like Blue Oyster Cult. Ronnie James Dio was the only cat that ever thanked me from stage at the end of the show. Only cat that ever thanked me at the end of the show, wait, wait, and he wait. looked up to me and he goes, "Thank you, Freddie." And I was like, "Boom!" My knees knocked. And I hit it. Wait, now this I'm getting a little tingly now, just like saying it because I got to work with the legendary. Because I'm a big Dio Sabbath fan. That was like my favorite for a while because they played years back. If you remember, Joe, Dio Sabbath played at the Kingston Armory <laughs> for the Mob Rules tour, right which was awesome. Match. Yeah, it was great. But then Dio played the great Dio played at Tink's Entertainment. So Congress. you're saying he was kind of a nice guy. He wasn't oh, your he's typical. So cool. Give me oh some God. of the jerks that you ran into. Um, his bass player. I got a real funny story. This guy, I can't remember his name, but he wound up also playing with Dokken for a little bit. Now, the guy was a pretty boy, um, kind of a little bit arrogant and stuff. A real great story, though. And uh, they were staying at the Tyke Street in Dunmore, the, the Holiday Inn there, yeah. the whole band and Ronnie James Dio. His son was also staying with him, and at the time, his son, Danny Padovano, was he's just as tall as Ronnie James Dio, but he was a weatherman for the Weather Channel. And he came What's in. What's the so, name? Danny Padovano was his name. Oh, I cool. I forgot yeah, that you I do like say, weather and stuff How dare like that. you just slip that in? Oh, I'm sorry. That could have been the, the peak of this conversation. Yeah, like he's like this trained <laughs> meteorologist guy. I don't know I mean, this guy. I don't know, you know this guy. But for those who don't know Ronnie James Dio, by the way, Black Sabbath. Yeah, Black right, Sabbath, so he, Rainbow Elf. Yeah. You know, the great deal, last in line, Rainbow in the Dark. Um, he played at Tink's Entertainment Complex. And now I had this 86 Grand Am at the time. And I had to pick up the bass player from the Tyke Street Dunmore. You're still hanging cheap. For right? the sound check. No, no. I'm way past this now. I'm working at Tink's and our Carol's Pizza and Taylor, baby. My oh, best right. friend, one of my Shifted best friends, gears. Frankie. Right. Well, I had to jump a little bit because there's so much here, jump, Joe. It's okay. I know we're running out of time. You got to keep jumping. So here's where we go. So here's the deal. I go pick up Larry, whatever his name was, and I had this thing, and my back trunk was filled. So he had these two big bags, and he's trying to fit them in the trunk. Why do you always send guys with these little crappy cars instead of a van like a real venue bam and he's slamming my trunk thing gets in miserable the whole ride from Dunmore to Scranton gets in there and he's like oh pulling it out does anybody else like can we get a ride back with somebody with a van or something and I'm just standing there like, yeah. oh, because I always want to ask them questions yes, and stuff yes. like that. And they probably don't want that. So he's there and he's break. He was not a nice guy gotcha. at all. Okay. 
All right, he wasn't cool. Years later, I'm with Breaking Benjamin on tour, Jay Leno's show. We're in L.A., and we were waiting for Jay to pull in because all his employees would wait because he would drive a different car to, to the show every day, Jay Leno. So He's all his employees hundreds. would be watching. So I walk into this studio, and now I'm already psyched because Paul Newman's there. You're Paul with Newman's Breaking there, Breaking Ben in L.A. Check this out. After this guy's been a prick to me years before, Joe, yes, watch yes, this. Yes. I walk in, and who do I see on the stage? That jerk. Walk up to him. It's this bass player, former bass player of, of Dio. Jerk, he works jerk, for the studio. Jerk. I walk up to him and he goes, hey, you look familiar. And I'm like, I think that's a standard chit-chat that you say. I say, say so you too. I said, hey, did you ever play bass with Dio? He goes, oh, yeah. And he goes, listen, I just want to say back then I was a different kind of guy. Like he's explaining before he's I even a- said anything because he must have been a full-time jerk. not cool guy. Yeah. And then I said, I worked in Scranton. Tinks, they had the pole in the middle of the stage. Oh my God, we'll never forget that place. Oh, hey man, I'm sorry if I was like this or like so he that. He knew of his jerky. He past. knew right off the bat, and we laughed at it. But how about that? Like 15 that years later, man, that I ran into him. And at first, I'm thinking, I'm going to be this, I'm going to be that, but I didn't because I'm an ultimate pro. Look at me, I'm Freddie. Huh? You took the high road. I, I did. But you missed an important step. How, does, how do you get with Breaking Ben to then Jay I discovered Leno? Ben. They're locally? Yeah, I discovered Where ben. were they from? Kingston, Wilkes-Barre? I don't no, know. No, spread out originally from Sealands Grove, a little bit from Wilkes-Barre, and Ben moved in from Atlantic City is like where he originally came, and then he lived with the Mennonites for and a little while. And you're just hanging around this guy. And I came in. No, no, no. I discovered them. Somebody told me about them. Lynn Carey told me from Media 5 about this cool band, Breaking Ben. She gave me a song. I said, I'm going to check them out when I can. So I went in. But you as who? What were you? <laughs> Freddie. I was working 97.9X Oh, so the now time. you're DJ, too. Now How did I'm that DJ. happen? Oh, I was kicking a girl off a balcony at a Cinderella concert. <laughs> And Aaron Roberts, the PD at the time, was loaded backstage at the Cinderella concert, 80s hair rock band. Yeah. And um, he came up to me, hey, that was pretty funny. And he got a great voice. You want me in radio? And I'm like, oh, man, I'm in the metal. What kind of station are you on? So that was heavy Metallica right at this time. So check this out. Joe, this is an excellent story. He says to me, meet me Monday. Now, this is a Thursday night. He said, come up Monday morning, talk to me. We'll get a metal show. I'm like, dude, I don't know how to do anything radio. I'll have somebody train you. You're real cool. Meet me Monday morning. Morning at my office in Wilkesbury, 10 a.m. So I, I worked at our Carol's Pizza and Taylor at the time, and I'm sitting there on the bed, and I'm thinking, should I go all the way to Wilkesbury? Should I go? He's not going to remember me. The guy could barely stand. What's the worst thing that can happen? Ten minutes of awkwardness. So I forced myself <laughs> to go through the fear of embarrassment. At the okay? radio station, you meet. Drove up there. I go second floor. I walk through the glass doors. Citadel Communications owned it at the time. I go up to the woman at the desk, the receptionist. I say, "I'm Freddie Fabry?" Question mark. Um, I have an appointment. I think. Question mark. With Aaron Roberts at ten. Question mark. She rifles through the book and says, "Oh, Freddie." Right here, this is you. That woman now is the mother of my child. Oh, my goodness. And then I got the gig. He was expecting me. He had me in the book. Can He's you the receptionist, but this guy, you didn't tell me. He is the manager. He was the, the manager. GDM gave me the that. job. But if I didn't go, that woman that, that woman went through the book. You, then there's no child, married, and then right? there's no you today. Boom. No breaking Ben. No Look nothing. at the mind. Yeah, me and you aren't best friends. There we go. What I don't get, mm-hmm. why would this guy, what's his name? Aaron Roberts. Aaron see something in you because some people are talented and they know how to be ensemble players some people are not selfish some people are not damaged some people realize that their gift is being able to pick that's why i look at it like this when i had my show i call myself the best ensemble player in intercom i know my role i know when to play and sometimes the best things i've said are the things that i didn't say and you need to know that when somebody needs to tell the joke and be the punchline all the time they're the ones that get stale they're the 
ones that start to look corny. They're the ones that look afraid where you could see their fear of losing their identity. I'm the same Freddy whether I'm busting grapefruits down at Garrity's. If I'm sweeping the street, I'm fast Freddy. <laughs> if I'm an accountant preparing your taxes, I'm the same Freddy. The station don't make me, Joe. I make the station. I leave I my want. mark. This is, I leave my mark. This is fast Freddy. Yeah, you I need, leave my mark. We need a bust of you made yeah, in Scranton, a granite definitely. bust. I want a statue with all that... Yeah. No, but I'm just saying you this is the attitude I, leave I love. My mark. This guy. Yeah. He could have been some uptight guy. Yeah. What's your background? Did right. you go nope. to college? Let he me see your send knew. me your resume. He was a talent scout. What about he scouts? He just knew. You that, can see things in yeah. people. I what see. What about it. scouts that sign baseball players like Mickey Mantle or Derek Cheater? Do you think they wanted to be scouts their whole life? No, they wanted to be stars themselves. I'm not going to get him a deal because he's a real good guy. This I'm going to get back because he's a better hitter than I ever was. No, the guy that signed Derek Cheater is a legend because he knew how to see the talent. That's the kind of guy I want to be. And this guy who yeah. signed your talent, Aaron yes. Roberts, he's the greatest, responsible for all the great things in my life. He wasn't smothered in his own nope. pride. Nope. He wasn't smothered nope. in his he own self worth. He's an architect. He's, yes. He's an architect. He's an oh, architect, so and he was never afraid. Ooh, 1997, 98. Because this is when I started going through yeah. the channels, and I hear yeah. this guy, you, and I'm yeah. like, what the heck? The baddest this mofo guy's, walking. This guy's, this guy's yep. witty. This guy's charming. This guy has a Thank great you. delivery. This guy has an unbelievable sense Joe, of realism. This guy's, yeah. And then I hear, and I guess we can't get into the details. Right. Later on, you lose your job. And I'm like, yeah. how could anyone lose this guy? He's like, he's like better than Stern. I this guy's better than. I out of the station, Joe, and right onto the tour bus for the next eight years, touring all over the country with bands like Queen. Wait, how long, were you at the, how long were you at the uh, radio station? About five years, I think. And then when you, when, that was your full-time gig. Yeah. So when you, you're meeting a lot of people, you're meeting a lot yeah, of fans. Yeah, a ton of people. Before you go on to the next stage. Well, I met Breaking Benjamin, I got them the record deal, and then they took off. And then they even flew me out there. Hollywood Records flew me out to make the first record. And I'm living at large. I went to see Alanis Morissette the one night with Danny Bonaducci. Um, we're kicking it out in, in L.A. That's when record companies had money to spend on rock bands. Jagged Little Pill. Oh, she was outstanding. She's so sexy. So, so, so. You're, so you're, sexy, you're, little you're, Canadian chick. You're kind I love of big her. time in it. Yeah, it was great, Joe. It was a lot of this fun. Is I was when? blessed. Um, early 2001, 2002. And then is what's the next step? Oh, by the Ooh. way, when you were at the Tink yeah, stage, yeah, did you yeah. hang out with Blue Oyster Cult? They were there. Yeah, they weren't cool. Um, they were not cool. No, no. I was a little bummed out. They say don't um, meet your idols. Uh, this is you Yeah, meeting. but you know what? That really got me cool. That really got me solid because it took me. I didn't sit and cry because I had all my vinyl cool with me. They weren't cool in what way? They were just, well, they, they were old, like burned old. out. You know what I mean? They didn't want. They didn't give a damn that they some 30-year-old cat wanted be... to run out and get, you know, um, you know, um, Spectre signed and stuff. He didn't give a damn that I even bought Club Ninja, which really sucked. That's terrible. You it was a horrible album, but you know what, Joe? It didn't get ruined for us on YouTube, so we didn't realize an album sucked until four months later because we were so excited that one of our favorite bands cut an album out. I even bought Club Ninja, and it sucked Dancing in the Ruins. Dancing in the That's Ruins. That's the only good song, but Club Ninja. Well, okay, calling it a good song is a stretch, too. Dancing in the Ruins. They peaked with Spectres and Agents yeah. of Fortune. Then right. Boom. Boom. Although but like I said, I loved a lot of great. the... Right. Right, I was going to say, I like a lot of that early stuff. Seven Screaming Dizbusters <sighs> and all that. And She's as beautiful as yeah. a foot. <sighs> all right, so now... Um, That's why Joe Bichard's now driving cab, but still, <laughs> he's still alive. <laughs> so you... you when you go from this Breaking Ben yeah. national, yeah. mixing it up yeah. with all these rock gods, yeah. when does that crumble? Does it crumble? Well, it just stopped because after a while, man, all things that begin end. 
And that's it. And there's always a little thing when you break up or have like a thing. But I spend so much time of my life doing for others careers and this, that, and the other. Now, plus also my wife had enough of me being on tour. So the friction of You're us, married at the time. Yeah, married. And I, I just got married. I was married for a year, just bought a house, and then I lost my job. So the only thing that came close to making the money that I needed to make to live the lifestyle that I had was to go out on tour with the band that I discovered. And it was my band. So I discovered that I am. Now- so the thing you're following your passion, you're yeah, making money, yeah, I but made at it. the same time, I made it's it. taking you away from your Everything life. I ever dreamed about as a kid, jumping around to the Kiss Alive 2A track in my small living room on 1313 Luzerne Street before we moved to the Gray 420 on the Gray 15, um, came true. All of it. It was fabulous. I had so many great mentors growing up in my life taught me how to do all the right things right and the wrong things even better. And it was so much fun. And I got to that point. So people say, oh, are you bummed that you're not with Breaking Bad? It was time. You move on. All breakups are, there's a little bittersweet feeling of it, but you still know that it's time to move on. I wanted to be, I wanted to have roots and I want to be home. I want to focus on myself. And if I didn't leave Breaking Bad, I could have never worked with Bernie Williams and I could have never met all the great athletes that I worked. I could have never worked with Chevy Chase. I could have never worked with Jeff Daniels. I could have never done any of that. I don't even know about this. Yeah, Joe, we, we need a couple more hours. You need a part two Freddy. You do. But crisis equals opportunity. Yeah, yeah So dude. this crisis, give me a quick after that. Do you want to you... find your heart, Joe? Hit rock bottom. And if you can't get there naturally, make it happen. You, the only, I wanted to find my heart again, and I had to almost lose everything to find my heart again. Give it and to me, baby. Passion, give it to me. baby. Give it to that me. That wanting to want, when I was a kid and I had a morning, when I was in my mid-20s, I had a morning paper out and I delivered pizza at 27. I didn't even exist. I didn't even make enough money to pay taxes, and I had a mullet. Wow. So everything was stacked up against me. That 86 grand down that I was rocking around while I was still at Tinks, I had to buy a cheap case of oil every day and put it in the back seat because I burned up a quart every day. How I far was down was the mullet in the back? Oh, it was down mid-back, man. Mid-back. Mid -back. Over yeah. the years, though. Yeah, but I was, well, because, no, it couldn't go over the years because when I went to rehab, they cut <laughs> off all my Metallica hair, and then I wound up with winger hair. <laughs> You know what I mean, Joe. But like I said, Cherry Pie, Joe. All give the me, give me some of those mid stories now. Is it mid two thousands? Yeah, yeah. Want to get up there? Yeah. Torn all over, man. We're on. We'll do it with who? Breaking Ben. But we were going out on tours with like Evanescence, uh, Velvet Revolver. Um, we were doing great. But when you summer say, festivals. what is your role? What do you? I doing? was tour manager. Tour manager. And being that I was a radio personality that financed, found, financed, and shopped the record deal, all these other radio personalities around the country, they wanted to talk to me just as much as they wanted to talk to the band because they wanted their bosses to give them, see, this guy found a band and he was right and you never let me play the bands that I like that I discover in clubs. So these guys from Dallas, Houston, New Mexico, they were like, so Freddie, when you found Breaking Ben, like, did your PD give you a lot of trouble? And I said, yeah, because he was a corporate guy. He was just going with the flow. He didn't like music. He didn't like rock music. He wasn't into anything. He was listening to all this kind of like club type stuff. That's fine. Do what you want to do and listen to what you want to listen to. But these DJs wanted, I validated their desires, if that makes any sense, Joe. Totally because does. these DJs wanted to find bands and they would say, Freddie, you want to listen to this band? What do you think about them? And so I would you sit would down. Make these decisions. You oh, would say, yeah. give me a, give me a. I picked the first single for Breaking Ben, Polyamorous. Yes. I picked it. That show happening August. 
this tent on the mountain, that's just as much mine. I'm going up there to sit in the audience to bask in what I created, what I birthed, what came through my loins, what my mind. And everybody told me I was stupid for investing my money, Joe. Here, here's to your stupidity. I don't need the millions. I don't need the plaques. I don't need nothing because I know what I did. I know my self-value. There's a difference between being arrogant and knowing your self-worth. People like to say, oh, you're speaking up. You must be arrogant. No, F you. You must be a coward because I know my self-worth. Don't try to tell me I'm tin when I'm solid gold, baby. I know that I shine. This shine is for real. You don't hang up plaques and trophies. You're one of those guys, I bet, right? They're from the plaques are in my office because I deserve them, and they're for my daughter to look they, back let and her say, look them "Bam, up. bam, that's my daddy, the real, genuine, 100. percent He is the earth shaking, rock star making mofo. He's a show stealing, <laughs> wheeling and dealing cat. He's the baddest cat in the alley. I'm the baddest, nastiest. I'm the nastiest rat in the dumpster, bigger than any of them kicking around in Baltimore right now, Joe. Is there big money in this at the time? Yeah, I was making some killer cabbage because you're not spending any cabbage because all the cabbage goes home. And that's what my wife liked a lot when you're on tour because you have a rider which provides your meals and you're driving in a bus and you get a motel like um, provided for you on your days off. So that money, money, unless you had bad habits or whatever like that, you weren't spending. It was going right into your account. Plus my vehicle at home, there was no gas going into it. I wasn't driving or spending any gas money. So you're gone. Wifey, after a while, when she would call and July and say, so what's your day like? And I'd be like, oh, we got a day off in Las Vegas before the big show at Hard Rock. What are you doing, honey? I got to cut the grass. And she wouldn't pay somebody to cut the grass on spite because she wanted to be the, you know. Well, so Freddie, you're telling me that there's some sort of tension developing in the marriage. Yeah, that's why after and then a you while. Have to, you have to prioritize. You want to hear a funny story real quick? I was done with Breaking Ben, and I needed to break anyways because I was done with Breaking Ben. We, we just ran our course. from It was a lot more. That's a whole different show, Joe, that I'm more than happy to do it again. But I got a call from this cool little Argentinian chick, um, Argentinian, whatever you would call. She was You're out married. in Colorado. You're getting calls. Yeah, but she was a friend. She was a friend that she, I worked with on Three Doors Down. She's like, Freddie, I'm going out with Tenacious D. They need another production guy. If you want the gig, just send me your resume. It's Europe for seven weeks with four days off in Rome. I'm like, oh, my God. And it was almost as much as I was going to get paid being a tour manager so I'm going out with Tenacious D reunion Kyle Gass and Jack Black and I have this steep hill down to my house Joe from the top of the street and I was like slow motion as I was flapping my flat clown feet down the, the, the macadam in, into the thing and go in and I ran into my mayor you're never going to guess what's up I'm going out on tour this much money per week with Tenacious D in Europe. And I have four days off in Italy, Rome, and you get to come out and visit me. She just turned around and looked at me over my breakfast bar in the middle of my kitchen, Joe. And she goes, how about you go out on your tour, and when you come home, the house will be empty with a for sale sign. She was done with me being gone. She wanted a husband. She wanted a husband. She was done. She was done. Well, what am I going to do for money? Figure it out. You're, you're grown man. Figure why, it out. If the people are wondering why, I'm not saying to me. So this is a moment. Yeah. I'm, I'm just taking yeah. this in. I'm, I'm yeah. paused. Yeah. You're making good money. You're mixing it up yeah. with top. I was top. mad. I was upset and appalled for like two and a half minutes. But and then I realized. You see this pulling of life. Yeah. She, you can understand yeah. her point. Yeah. She wants a father of a child. Yep. She wants yep. someone to love. Books don't only have one chapter, Joe. Yeah. So, so, Books don't have one chapter. But, but what do you do with this day, this moment? This is like your dad. 
at the at the fire pit yeah. at the treatment center. I this threw is my hands moment. up in the air and I said, "Let's see what comes out of this." You and did I want, do that. Yeah, I had no choice. You go, I, with, you go with Jack Black. I was Black. not. Go, no, no, no. I was not going to be. I wasn't going to be one of these sixty-five-year-old cats, lifelong on tour, macking with nineteen-year-old strippers at a club, telling them how cool I am because I tour. So with this no end- roots, with no family, wearing a pleather jacket, with some big stupid plastic wallet hanging out of my pants, with dyed hair on the roots showing. <laughs> I wasn't going to be that guy. I was not going to be him because I saw them, many of them, all the time. So I worked in many, many gentlemen's clubs for many years. But wait, this is excellent. So yeah, that moment yeah. your wife says that, yeah. is that when you chose that? Yeah, because then I knew it was not going to be worth losing what I had here to tour. And then it really dawned on me you that I did. You chose commitment, love, and being a father over yeah. all that. Yeah, because I did not want to be what I saw on the road. That 60-year-old guy that had his kids but were his you, buddies. They but weren't you, his sons and but daughters. But you see what an amazing choice you made and how it was for the good and how yeah, th- th- I did the not universe lose spoke that. to you and did the I right thing? I roots, Joe. I always want it. What year is this? 2009. You chose the right path. So what happened since then? 8, 9, 10. Bernie Williams, man. Bernie Williams. I started working with the great Bernie Williams, former New York Yankee, number 51 in 2009. What does that mean? He was a center fielder for the Yankees. He's now an accomplished jazz guitarist. So jazz you're performer. working for him, huh? I was his tour manager. I did a show. This is it. You chose. We did weekends. One? Well, came across that, and I was working in a recording studio then on and off out in New Jersey, and Bernie recorded his record there. So they needed, his manager needed help with somebody that knew how to organize meet and greets and do radio calls. And this is you. And this is me. So I I freaked out because I'm a psychotic Yankee fan, but I got to do. I, I was at the 2012 Democratic Convention with them. Um, I. But are you more them. stable at home at this point? Yeah, yeah. It all comes along. Your wife's happy. She's like. This She's is happier. <laughs> happy, pure. She's gonna blow me up now. She'll find something to really ER. just like. Yeah, well, put a rock in my that. shoe. Joe. The ladies do that, but yeah, I'll deny that. That's her that. nature. I don't care. I'll say it right now. That that's is the their nature. Is their nature. That's their nature. That's why I never try to crack a smile because she might see that and then be like, oh, I, well, give me money for something. Ladies, if you're listening, that. why are you like that? Yeah, why are you why like are you that? Why are you like that? Know your role. Why are you like that? Know your role. Why are you like that? Leave me alone. All right. I'm an artiste. Let me do what I need to do. 2013. You got to look at the big picture, 14, ladies. 2015. Stand by your man. 2014, yeah, 2015, yeah, 2016. Yeah. Where are you going? I wound up getting back into intercom radio here. But where, there had to be a big moment when you're saying, I'm going to apply for a job in Scranton. Yeah, well, Nine my to wife. Five. No, 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 no. My wife heard it. My wife heard um, my wife heard that Intercom was looking for sales reps, and I always wrote commercials and did that. So I said, yeah, I'll give it a shot. And I got hired there, and then they needed a traffic guy. And, and this stuff. is when? In the last four or five years? Eight years. I've been at Intercom You've for eight, eight years, eight Joe. Years. Yeah, eight years. But do you feel now that mm. you are this, this? Everywhere I am, I was supposed to be. That's how I look at it, Joe. Well, you're, you're, you're just a chess piece for yeah, the I'm universe. Yeah, I'm still looking. Yeah, you're man. more than You make your own oh, decisions. Yeah. You can't yeah, I'm going say. bigger places, dude. But they're... But you're you're saying big. Yeah. Your big place is being a father yeah, and being a awesome. husband. It's That's the big place. Oh yeah. Want, do we have time for another quick great story? We got to want to hear a killer story. How much time? I want to hear a killer. Okay, story. Okay, you're but I want it. you to see your big place as oh, being I a know father. That. Oh, I know that. And being it it doesn't uh, yeah. bring hordes of money. No, no. It doesn't have no. people following no. you. No. It doesn't no. come with status. It doesn't need and it. attention. I had it all. Had it been there, done that. Yes, this I is bigger. I want to play with my Googie. Do you my see daughter, how this is Sandbox. bigger? Sandbox. Sandbox and Barbies, run. buddy. Home run. Sandbox and Barbies, buddy. 
Sandbox and Barbies. It's out of the park. You're just taking home this out. run. Bernie had his number retired. Number 51. Gretchen was due on a Tuesday. This game was on a Sunday night. Gretchen's your wife. Gretchen, my daughter. My okay. Gretchen, what daughter was due? Mary Ellen, my wife. Mary Ellen. Okay, right. so it was Bernie was getting his number retired. I was working a number retirement ceremony in the Great Yankee Stadium with my artiste. He treated us to a luxury box, the whole band. All the players are coming up to the box and stuff. We're down on the field when Bernie unveils this plaque. It's televised. Eight o'clock. I brought my daddy. He was thrilled. So I said before I left, I said to Belly, I said, Belly, don't you dare come early. Don't F this up on daddy. He wants to go and work a ceremony. No one ever gets a chance to work a retirement ceremony televised on ESPN with the great Yankee player. Don't just wait till Tuesday. So this is Sunday night. Game started at 8 by midnight. They come up to the box and they say, as a surprise for everybody, uh, we're doing an after party at D'Angelico Guitar Studios in Manhattan, hosted by the one and only Gene Kernish from The Rascals, one of my favorite songwriters of all time. Good love. I know all it I all, need man. To, I, know I love Gene Kernish. So it's about a good half hour with traffic 40 minutes from Groovin's the Bronx. better, by the way. Fabulous. Uh, um, all of it is. I agree. Um, from the Bronx to Manhattan, it's a good 30, 35 minutes ride. So my dad's like, you don't want to go just because you're with me and I'm old and partying. That's partially it. But I just felt like going home. I knew I needed to go home. And we got to park in the Yankee security lot. So you get right out onto the Major Deacon. You don't have to wait through nothing, which was great. And I said, no, Dad, we're not going to party. I just want to go home. And he's like, you sure? And I said, yeah. It took us three hours to get home. I got home at 3.15. Got into my 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 peanuts pajamas with Charlie Brown pajamas and thank God I needed TV on so it was Golden Girls Marathon da, 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 da. and that was on so I put that on I was in bed at 3.35 by 4.44 I was a father so yeah things started happening like a half hour after I got into bed if I went to that party to be cool in the swing from the sack of Gene Cornish I would have missed the birth of my daughter and for some reason, I was on the way home. I'm like, why don't I want to hang out with Gene Cornish? Why don't I want to hang out with Gene Cornish? Why don't I want to hang out with Gene Cornish? And then years later, I got hired, thank God, in New York City to work the celebration. I got to be the voice of God at the Apollo Theater, Joe. Um, the, it was the anniversary of the Beatles landing in New York City, 50th anniversary. I got to work with Tommy James and Gene Cornish together in a band. I got to work and tell him that story. Like, oh, I was so bummed out, you know, that you're Gene Cornish. You know what I mean? It was just it's great, man. It's great. And Crystal Blue Persuasion. So they did Crystal Blue, Groovin' Crystal Blue. Damn. This is the universe speaking yeah. to you right there. Yeah. And he always wears the fedora now, and he's like, oh, yeah. Mr. Gene Cornish from Thing. Well, Freddie, I love uh, him. Tommy you already James know awesome. this. I'm not, I don't know yeah. why I'm going to tell you this. But do you see, once again, that path that yeah. you took? The path of maybe yeah. less notoriety, Definitely. maybe less money, yeah. maybe less people looking at you like, yeah. what a big success. Yeah, you yeah. took the true path of being a good dad yeah. and a good husband, yeah, and yeah. to this, I'm weeping inside. Oh, wow. Few people make that yeah. choice. You took the yeah. right road, yeah, and here Joe. you are in a little studio with me, your workplace <laughs> oh, right down the cool road, studio. and you're going to leave here, and, you got great and you're going to go home, and, and you're not going to go home to... You're not going to go home to reporters. No. You're not going to go home to groupies. No. You're not going to go home to bikini girls. Actually, I'm not going home. I'm going to stop and see a man about a horse on the way out of here. <laughs> You're going to go home to true yeah. love. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's it the is less glamorous but no, correct is, choice, yeah, but, my friend. You know, friend. it depends on what the glamour is because, like, when my daughter. That's what I'm talking about. Like, you found cool, true glamour. Yeah, man, that's it. I'm done. I did my time and I have a lot of great things going. It depends. Like, you know, Joe, everybody's success is something different. I remember the first time I heard people talking about lawnmower parts with passion. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Like, talking about the parts on what John Deere tractor was better and what motor. And it was. And I'm thinking, that's not electric guitars. It has nothing to do with breasts. It has nothing to do with getting drunk. I'm like, these guys are arguing over what tractor to cut your grass has a better exhaust. And they're into it. They're you know, into like, I'm going to pull the body off this. I bought it that thing. And they're like into it. And I'm thinking, oh, my God. Like, people are into things other than So that's one form sin. of success you're saying. Yeah. Success, I And think. I envy them. Yes, I envy I see them. What you mean, like, oh, man, I wish I could hang out in a garage and be that groove. passionate that they want to stay late just to pull the tires off and compare them on this tractor. He wants to make his tractor more durable than the one that this guy just bought brand new, and he actually knows what he's talking about. And I, I, I damn it, I, I, I envied him because I wanted to love something more than what I was already loving. And then it just... And it, now you, perhaps you are. Oh, well, I do. I got my daughter. I got it. And I, I never thought it. I was going to have domestic bliss. I thought it was going to be... I thought I was not going to get it because I got to live my sex, drugs, and rock and roll life. And I did. But this is better. Yeah. You it's found a, it. to, so much better. And success, as yeah. one person said, might be just these two words. Three. Yeah, yeah. Peace of mind. Oh, it's excellent, man. It's excellent. And the only time it gets disrupted is when I disrupt it. That's a fact. That's a truth. You're on the path, brother. Let's I'm end trying. with I'm me. Right. Let's see if you can finish this uh, lyric. All right, got you. Look over yonder. What do you see? There's a shell of the man that used to be me. But now I'm walking tall and I see the light. And if you open your eyes, you'll know that it's bright. That was that just happened, yeah. man. Yeah. That yeah. just happened. I throw you it and you slam dunked it. Give me five. Alley -oop. Alley -oop. That just happened. That just that's freestyling. That's Biggie Smalls type stuff there. Give me a hug. Did you see that? Did that just happen? It's over. Who's the baddest cat in the alley? It's over. Who's the baddest cat at it's the scratching right post? Earth shaking, rock two, star making mofo. One, zero. Folks, I'm still breathing after that. I mean, what was that? That was like being inside of a pinball machine. I loved it. So that's Freddy, Fast Freddy, whatever you want to call him, lovable guy. Been through a lot. As a matter of fact, we need part two of Freddy. We got to do that in maybe three and maybe four. Uh, love Freddy. If you're looking for more information on Freddy, how to contact him, here's the beauty of it. I said, Freddy, want me to give your information at the end? He goes, no, man. If they want to find me, they'll find me. So there you go. If you want to hear more from Freddie, if you want to find him, go find him. He's out there. You can find me at joe.snedeker at wnep.com or joe.snedeker at yahoo.com. If you have any ideas for guests or anything or comments on Freddie, get him to me and I'll find him. <laughs> Until next time, Mr. Curiosity signing off. Curiosity. What are you so curious about? Everything. Mr. Curiosity. Rick Flair. <laughs> Where's Minnie?